Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. On this episode, we are joined by Anne Bender. Anne hails from California and reached out to us on social media to ask if we wanted to speak about kids in the paranormal now kids in the paranormal is not a subject area that we've really focused on we do um we do touch on the fact that kids have paranormal paranormal experiences in our conversations with different mediums and a lot of them through poltergeist activity and some of the poltergeist cases that we've covered um, but that was one that really perked our interest when, when your message came through, Anne. So, over to you. What, uh, why kids in the paranormal? It, it was me growing up. I think it's a lot of uh, people growing up. And if you aren't surrounded with open minds, it can lead to a lot of isolation and loneliness and uh, diagnosis of, of other problems that don't exist because the family's afraid of what their kid is seeing, hearing, experiencing. And they're giving details that, that you know as a parent that they couldn't possibly know. When they're talking about family members, they know the kids never met. There's a big difference in being able to tell whether the child is uh, talking to an, an imaginary friend or an actual. Um, presence and that the details they give are going to be far more specific and, and precise when they're actually speaking to somebody that is um, there in spirit. But it's so scary for many, many parents out there, or maybe they felt that as a kid, that it, they shut them out and they close it down the topic. So what happens is the kid is so isolated that as they get older, they don't share other things with the parents as well. They'll shut down other things of topics that they think the parent might be afraid of or difficult to handle. So it's really not just about the kid when they're very young, but this is about their future. And when they're a teen and they're dealing with hard teen issues, if they don't have that openness to be able to communicate from a young age, it, it does damage later on in life. And I think with children as well they've got an innocence about them where they they haven't really got life experience they're not um they're not used to sort of lying really um so when they i suppose when they're talking about an experience they're having mm -hmm. they, they've got no real reference point apart from what what they're experiencing there and then um and there's lots of creepy stories that i read online where it always starts like my child came in to me and said, please, can you get rid of the person who stands in the corner every night and stuff? <laughs> and kids wouldn't necessarily, they're, sometimes they're not even frightened, I think, because initially, because they, they're not really sure what it is. So have you had experience as a child with the paranormal? I, my earliest memories are of seeing 
a lady dressed in black, very stern lady, scared the crap out of me every night in my room in our old farmhouse. And when I would go to describe her, my parents freaked out uh, because I was describing an aunt that I had never met in life. And I would come to, you know, learn, learn more about her and, and get to know more about her life in spirit as I got older. But I knew that when I was little, I, I didn't have a confidant in either my mom or my dad because they were too afraid and they didn't know what to do. They, they were out of their element. They hadn't been taught that, how to deal with that. And so I was left on my own to figure things out. How old were you? My first memory, I think I was two, um, which, like I said, my first memories are of talking to spirits. That's the first things I remember. So when you talking to spirits, how are they presenting themselves? Is it them in their like human form, so to speak, or can you hear them or how, how do they present themselves? Usually in human form. Um, I learned that they could present in the attire that they wanted to represent. Sometimes they would show me their death picture. Sometimes the same person, and I would, knew it was the same person, would show me their living picture rather than their death picture. And so I got very used to, that's why I was comfortable working on the ambulance and the fire department in my teens, because I had already seen that in my head from people that had passed showing me those death pictures. But I also learned later on that I wouldn't just see them, I could communicate with them. I would, I would actually feel their emotions. And, and I also saw things that weren't human as well. And I learned how to see the difference between that. And that's a whole nother very sensitive topic. Okay, we'll come on to that in a bit then. Um, so just going back a little bit, that so you you go and approach your parents and say, I'm seeing this lady, and you start describing what she looks like. They're obviously quite freaked out by this. How, what do they say to you? I, I didn't, no, there's no way I could have known that. There's no way I could, um, they shut me down. They completely shut me down. And then I would have dreams about certain events. And I would go and tell my parents. I, there was a fire in this part of the house. And I, I would find out that the kitchen was remodeled because of a fire um, before they moved in. And my bedroom at that point was above where the fire was. So I would dream about it. So it would be like I'm reliving. Um, and then later on in life that happened when I lived near serial killers, I actually saw through the woman's eyes, the time of their death and the person, everything was through the woman's eyes. So as I got older, all of that matured and developed. And that's why today I'm able to learn how to use that information to help officers with cold cases, find missing persons, living or not living, um, and at least get more information to family members looking for lost loved ones. Cool, there's quite a lot there. I think we'll definitely go back to. Um, but I was wanting to ask, did your parents' um, approach change as you got older and were still having these experiences? When I got older, my, at the time came for, um, that my mother's dad passed and he was in another state and as did other family members when they passed, he more than anybody else woke me from a dead sleep, blew his pipe um, smoke in my face. So I would know who it was. He woke me up and he told me very persistent and is insistently, you have to tell your mother I'm going to heaven. 
you, you have to tell her I fell back asleep. He woke me up again. Same message. You have to tell her. Now, I still had no openness with my mom. I was, I was an adult by this point. And it took me five years to be able to share that message, only to learn later on she'd been praying every night since his passing. He, she knew he believed in church, but he didn't go to church. So she was afraid she was never going to see him again. And his message was very straight up. I'm going to heaven. Do not worry. And he woke me up twice to make sure it took me five years, though, to get that message to them because I still had such a I mean, how do you tell your, your mother that her deceased father at the time he's died has woken you up to tell you this when you don't have that that communication at that point? And that's a tough one. But I had to give the message. He, he was very insistent and I knew I had to give the message. So after you gave that message to her, did she become more open to, to the fact that you're, you have this sort of ability? She ended up sending me a couple pictures of my Aunt Dorothy and my Aunt Grace, exactly as I described them. She, this is why she was so freaked out, because I had described them in their 90s. And they always wore their nightcap and their white nightgown with the lace and in specific details. And because I had described them in such detail, that's why she was so freaked out. Um, so she sent me that picture. And from then on, we've at least been able to be open and honest with things. Um, other family members I've reached out to, to when I get glimpses of things, let them know, hey, get this checked. At least have this looked into. They may or may not listen, but at least I have that freedom in my own mind, you know, at least I tried. So you mentioned about a serial killer and that you, let me just try and get this right, you saw the victim's sort of last moments. So trying to explain a bit more. So you saw how the victims died through their yeah. eyes. Just explain that a bit, how, what sort of happened with that? I was, I was living in Spokane, Washington at the time. Uh, I would later find out I lived two blocks from his house and I'd seen him multiple times driving by in the van in the white. Uh, Corvette or I think it was a Corvette it was, it was a sports car and he'd always he'd drive by with that he, I always thought it was odd he would go by in this van and, and then one day he looked at me and he, he didn't ha have his normal eyes they were black but that that I noticed and put the pieces together because literally ever since I lived in my house I was dreaming every month or so of these women and the attack the area I literally knew where the bodies were. I saw the area. At one point, I drove to the location. I found the location, but I didn't have the guts to go out in the field because I knew she was there, but I just couldn't bring myself to go look at that point. Another one I dreamt. This one I knew was not far from the house down the hill. And again, I drove to that spot. Now, neither victim had been found yet at that point. Um, and no, I didn't say anything to police because what are you going to say? I mean, I was still figuring this out. I didn't know what to, to say. He hadn't been caught yet. They didn't know anything other than these, these women were being murdered off the street and just disappearing. So finally, a couple of years had gone by with these killings, me having these dreams every month, every two months. And they started finding the bodies and the bodies were where I had gone. And the timeline was such that they had been there 
in that same length of time. Had I found them, it would have been a fresh kill. They still would have been intact. They would have been able to see what he had done. And I already saw what he had done. But for whatever reason, I was able to connect with that vivid detail. I knew his face, I knew what he did, how he moved, how he looked, his expression, and the terror they felt. So that's been, that sounds terrifying, to be honest, to be seeing like that, their moments. How did it make you feel, sort of experiencing that through them? The first few times I woke up in a cold sweat, I was out of breath, I was covered in sweat, and as if I had been running. Everything was as if I was in, those, in that woman's shoes. So when I finally woke, I would realize, okay, I'm safe. I'm in my bed. What just happened? I, I didn't understand. It was it's several years of figuring out. And then when Robert Lee Yates Jr. was arrested and everything came to light, everything started making sense. And I'm going, they show one body and I'm like, okay, I know the other body's here. Let's, let's see. I was, what, watch, is this where? I drove to on the other one as well. Sure enough, um, there, there it was, the, uh, the open field, the same time of year with the dried grass, the uh, trees in the, the very background, and she'd run. She'd, he'd had her run. That was part of his thrill, was doing that. And he, he would walk slowly. He'd let her run in bare feet and do what he did. So... So that happens and you've got some sort of positive confirmation that what you've seen is what played out. Obviously horrific and like I said, I don't, I don't even know how you deal with that. You mentioned that you, you've done some work with the police. Was that as a result of this kind of experience happening to you? That came years later. Um, through somebody now retired that had a cold case file. They hadn't developed DNA evidence to where it is now to that point yet. And he, I told him, I said, my one rule with my husband is that I don't do any cases that are here in, in town. Nothing can be local. So um, I had already been, he had me test. He took me to a location. He had me describe the location as it was back in the seventies, which I did in such detail that my husband wish he had pictures of the expressions on his face. He goes, you just described these crime scene photos so vividly that there is no way you could have known these details unless you were there. So I immediately had his, his confidence. I said, well, I don't need to be down here to work these. I can do them from afar. The next call was the, with the cases on his desk. And I, I went through them. I told him the fourth one down. I told you nothing in, in the area. You already know who that is. It's a local person that is a person of interest. And he's, he's close to me in proximity. I can't work in that area. So he says, you're right. Uh, we'll take that one out. I said, I said yeah, there's been a huge fire that's damaged this. It was, I believe, the second one down. I, and I don't remember exactly at this point in time. but And there was a huge fire. I said, there's no evidence left in that one. I said, even if you found the person, there's no way to pursue it to uh, come to any type of resolution for anybody. And indeed the evidence had all been lost in the fire. I said, there, there, is, there is no other evidence. Um, anything you had is gone. So what, they were able to at least move to cold cases that they had a shot at 
pursuing leads on. And I won't go into any other details with that instance. Um, other uh, agencies have reached out, other people have reached out on missing persons in other cases in different areas, um, some of which I'm working on, so I won't go into that. But um, I'm able to see, I'm able to see the same way when I saw through the woman's eyes when Yates was killing these women, um, details of those last moments that I can't explain. I, I, I understand it myself a little more, but I can't explain it to somebody unless they have a really advanced physics degree because it's, we're talking that kind of level physics. You gotta, it's, you gotta open up the mind and be outside the box totally to understand it. You, you said that you see their last moments. Do you have any other kind of sensation? Do you smell things? Can you f feel things? Or, yeah, or no. everything. Oh, wow. See, hear, feel. Uh, it will depend on that situation as far as what information I'm given to help me understand whom I'm speaking with, what details I need to know. And that person will have a distinctive something that is unique. And everybody does, just like, you know, we have fingerprints. Well, we don't change in death. We're the same person. So when people have certain smells, sometimes it's hard for me to, okay, I'll be, it smells like this thing, but I can't, I don't know what this smell is. Um, so that's the important thing that people know. I don't, I don't know what this is. This is simply similar to this. It's kind of twofold. Um, the minute they mention the case, I connect with them and snag whatever information comes to mind and go from there. I, I will ask, okay, um, I'll need a, I need a year. I need to know because this is like, I had one that was very complicated. I said, I, what you've given me, I've got more than one deceased person closely connected and they're, they're gone, they have been killed in different states. Um, I, and so I need to know which one you need information on because I'm getting more information on from the other murder, not this murder. And they actually turned out to be two sisters that were killed several years apart, but by different people, both of which unsolved, two different jurisdictions. Um, at least the one sister's body had been found. So this was to find the second sister's body, but they're, they're not connected. And so that's an, that is an ongoing one. Wow. Unfortunately, I, I see where she was originally buried, but I don't see where she is now. Oh, so the body was moved. Yeah, I believe she was moved. So kind of going back to sort of why we first started talking, talking about kids and the paranormal. So I noticed what's pretty cool on your website is you have your daughter as a investigator in training on the website. Um, and some of the experiences that she sort of had or you've had while you're pregnant with her, I'm guessing there's something happening. Do you want to tell us more about that? She, three months gestation, she would start setting off toys that she liked in her room. Wow. So gestation, three months old. So that's when I knew I had my hands full. I went. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, when I was a, 
about, well, I was seven, eight months along. I did actually did a, um, a news uh, interview and the activity just have, just being pregnant, having her there in the interaction um, was literally off the hook. The news station had to keep getting new batteries. They ended up having to run cords because they get their batteries. And these, these cameras hold a charge for two weeks and they had been all charged. They were killed. Um, they drained them immediately. And so it was a location that's incredibly active and interactive. And they actually at one point stopped the communication on the mics so that they could, the spirits there could talk and have more airtime per se, because they didn't want to have it chopped off at three minutes. So I ended up going six minutes for this little thing. So that was, she's still in my tummy at this point. Um, she's uh, a combination of both my husband and I. I was definitely not for kids on investigations prior to being a mom. And after it, I found I take her to places that are known to me. I let her explore and get to know the difference between spirit and people. Get make sure she's using her words out loud because a lot of kids forget to speak out loud. So they're behind in speech. She is still behind in speech, but she's coming, she's getting up to speed. Because when, when we're talking, we're thinking in our heads and we don't realize we're not using our words. Um, very common. Um, so I, both my husband and I take her to places and she's been, she's been able to learn that when she talks to people, not everybody sees spirits. So that's not a time to do at school. Um, play with your friends that are there. Find a different time when, you know, when you want to talk to spirits, that's fine. We don't shut her down, but we make sure she understands the difference. So it's quite, that's quite a controversial, not controversial, that's probably the wrong word, but it's quite a, um, an interesting way of introducing children to the paranormal. I used to watch horror films and whatnot when I was little um, and scared the life out of me. How does how does she cope with the like the turning on and off of physical people, like living people and dead people? When she was little, I would literally put a, a shield around her, one way glass shield so she could rest um she slept with us and it was much easier as a mom to be able to add that point of protection um my husband's native american they were raised on horror films so she enjoys disney and she enjoys horror and always has she understands the different she understands movie makeup um you know from an early age she understood the difference um she would <laughs> when she was little she'd say Blood means death. <laughs> We're just like, oh man, school's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. How how old is he? If you don't mind me asking. She she's gonna be eight uh, soon. Wow. So uh, she's gonna be eight and has done really well. We had a few rough moments with school, but I, I let him know, hey, this is what I see. She sees the same thing. She's gonna she's very very sensitive because she's feeling people's emotions and she hasn't figured out what her own emotions are yet so and that's what's happened it's just she's very sensitive but she's able to differentiate now and does she understand like the physical world and the, like the say the spirit world she oh, yeah. she she knows why they're yep. in one place and not with us yep cool yeah it's 
there there is a distinct difference um when people have recently passed they're much they're much stronger so sometimes even for me i have to do a double check um because it's hard to, to tell especially working in the hospital when people recently pass they have some dementia that they still have that dementia when they pass so sometimes i have to bring them back to their bodies so their family can say their proper goodbyes and say okay because <laughs> they're wandering around do 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 <laughs> So we, we speak to other mediums um, and they say that they're hearing things all the time or seeing things all the time. Is that how you see things or is this how your daughter sees things? Or I have constantly been teaching her the off switch. I use the off switch for my own sanity. Um, there are members of my husband's family that had never been able to grasp that for whatever reason. Sometimes people are afraid. They're afraid if they turn it off, it won't come back on. Um, for me, I was able to learn that off switch and oh, I'm so much more rested. I'm happier, the peace of mind. Always though, if there's an emergency, those around me know, hey, get my attention. Gotta know what's going on here. But so it's like a modified off switch i mean it's always there i'm always aware but they're they know hey when i when i i'm sick or i i need to sleep if i'm tired nope not the time if you want me to talk to you at all you gotta wait till it's your time so if you or you and your daughter sort of worked with other families and kids that have been having experiences or seeing the same sort of thing yeah um both my parents have come to find out are definitely they have abilities. My my uh, brother definitely has abilities, although he would say, tell you no. Um, it, it definitely runs in the family for me on both sides. It just scares them. Just, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's sad that in the US we've been raised that uh, spirits aren't normal unless you're Native American or Asian. Um, my Asian friends, it's normal. It's part of life. You talk to your family, they're there. Um, Native Americans, like my husband, it's it's normal. It's not anything that's scary. It's just part of how things are. And unfortunately, here in the U.S., a lot of the uh, the folks are just raised that that's not normal for whatever reason. I don't understand. But when there, I've had cases where we've been asked um, to help a family where they're being bothered. One was a carbon monoxide leak. The mother was waking up the family and getting them to open up the windows that saved their life until we came in and said, you know what? You've got a carbon monoxide leak here. Both are debunkers. We work side by side with debunkers. And because we don't, throw, we, we use science, we use mediums, we use debunkers. We put all the things together to you, to do good science and figure out the unknown. I think any team that if you throw out part of your science, you're missing part of your, your information to help that family. If that's what your tent is to help, you're, you're missing some information. So one was a carbon monoxide leak. Uh, another one was a gas leak. They were actually gonna light a pilot light the next day thinking the gas was turned off. And, and indeed there were not one, but two gas leaks. They would have gone up and all been killed had they done that. Um, so I, I went off on a tangent. That's okay. <laughs> so you talk about a team. So do you have, um, so you, you, you mentioned about that you have some science people, some mediums. Um, tell us a little bit more about the team and what you do as a team. Do you investigate 
hauntings or do people come to you for closure that kind of thing yeah um i read both people and, and animals i only work for donation to um support animals in need so when i'm requested to come out to do a reading um that's how i operate when the teams needs help or is requested to help with a investigation we go out we do a preliminary interview make sure that an investigation is even needed i always go out with more than one person to make sure it's safe um there's a lot of situations where we would do them an injustice to do an investigation they needed to go take follow through with their doctor's requests take their medication do that first it's not to say they don't have a haunting but they have to take care of the health first um, so that's why we do that preliminary interview. And then once we decide to go on to do that investigation, everybody, my husband, Dave Bender, does a, a timeline. So both the family and the team members have a structure and everybody can kind of come together and the investigation will flow as it goes. But at least we kind of know we're on the same page. Hey, we've got breaks coming up here. If we need a break sooner, that's fine. But I mean, the family knows what's going to happen. They don't leave the house. Don't turn over your house to a group of strangers. Um, we don't go dark. Uh, it's gonna depend on what the preliminary interview revealed. Does the activity happen during the day? Um, if they're seeing everything during the day, why are we gonna go there at night when they're not noticing anything? So all those things come into play in the team. Each of us, we do different roles. Um, those that are sensitive can use technology because if you know where to point the camera when it's going to maximize your chance of catching something when you're doing the evp session it helps you know what questions to ask so we kind of have a little bit of an edge to help with that but you don't have to have that ability you can use that technology to try to understand what is a medium getting are we getting nothing might be nothing there and it just means at that moment in time, there's nothing there. It doesn't mean there's never, but when you're only there a few hours and the person lives there 24 seven, uh, might have to come back. But then you guys know all that. We're learning all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. You mentioned your husband, Dave, a few times. So what's his role in all of this? And does he have any sort of gifts or abilities? He does. He, he cries a lot. No, <laughs> he feels things. He gets sick to his stomach. He gets headaches, um, especially when he's in areas that don't like Indians. Oh my God, he, there's a few places he won't go. Um, that I thoroughly enjoy, but that's the difference in our heritage and culture. Um, so he's he'll go back. There's one investigation where he was held down and he kept going back in the room. He was getting held down. He didn't understand. So he kept going in just to experience it over and over again. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's he's still curious too i've learned not to be so curious there's one that wasn't screened quite well enough because we do not handle demonic cases and this was a demonic and um yes i do see them um but i pushed the boundaries of of my limitations and it actually lifted me up off the floor in front of six people and threw me against a wall um and thank goodness uh, John Zappas answered my call to him to help me work through what had happened so I could go forward and not lose my mind. We, as a team, we are much safer. We don't venture out on our, our own, um, especially when I'm seeing things as they once were. I tend to walk into walls, walk off stages, walk into clear doors that yeah, weren't there. 
So the typical blonde thing that you see <laughs> happen. <laughs> Waverly Hills Sanatorium. I went to walk the um, x-ray room and the gal I was with, who um, Tina, she watched me walk where the tunnel used to be. And guess what I did? Bam, right into the wall. <laughs> so she laughed. She goes, yeah, it used to be there. It's not anymore. <laughs> So you, you mentioned um, using technology alongside uh, mediumship. Um, have you been able to capture any sort of evidence alongside the sort of stories and the experiences and accounts that people have been having to sort of like reinforce that? And if so, what, what kind of evidence have you been able to capture? Um. You know, a lot of people you, you see and you hear K2 meters and EMF. Well, the whole EMF spectrum, they, they don't understand the length of it. It goes into the ultraviolet. It goes into radiation. I'm a radiology tech as well and a CT tech. Um, so I have a Geiger counter and that catches another part wow. of the EMF spectrum. And I actually added a tool, which I never thought of this use in this way, but it's worked great already. It's a carbon monoxide detector. Um, sometimes EMF is catching nothing. Nothing is going on at all. And we had one um, in Union City where it was a person who was end of life, was near passing. They got your counter kept going off. And I had looked to see if there were solar flares, which there were none. So the EMF was completely flat. There was nothing going off. Well, they were on dialysis. The body has a little more radiation when they're on dialysis. Certain, we're radioactive. Uh, potassium um, is in bananas. That's radioactive. Brazil nuts, radioactive. So once you know, have that understanding, well, here you have somebody on dialysis. Their radioactivity, their baseline is much higher. The Geiger counter worked really well to show fluxes and changes and yes and no answers when he was in a comatose state. Um, and a different investigation recently was in a, um, above a, a mine, the carbon monoxide tech detector, interesting, right above a mine. The EMF kind of tweaked, Geiger did nothing, but the carbon monoxide detector would go to like get out levels and then drop back down to zero. If you know about CO, carbon monoxide, it doesn't do that. You don't have it sitting on a counter watching it go from zero to 50 or zero to more than 50 and then back down to zero and in response to questions. So you can use technology and if you think outside the box, you can think of new ways to use that science to help show the family that interaction. And just like when I douse, that's another visual aid. Do I understand how it works? Yeah. Can I explain it? No. <laughs> We've used thousand rods. <laughs> I'm interested I'm about. I don't have yeah. a clue. It works. It does work. Yeah, I watched a TV program the other day, and they were talking about thousand rods. It was um, they were trying to find an underground waterway on the farm, and uh, famous celebrity Jeremy Clarkson was using them. He's like, I don't know how, but it works. So it's interesting, just to go back to the Geiger counter, I've never heard of anybody using that as part of a, or, and the CO detector either. Um, I don't know how though, that's no. the problem. And there's, that's why I wrote a paper on it. I've shared it occasionally at conferences and I'm happy to share that paper. It's actually, I think it's on the website as well. Okay. Um, but uh, it's good, a good baseline, good information. Um, I'm not 
sure if you're going to get one it has to be it's not the big yellow box that you get that you see at chernobyl okay that's not how it works i'm not being cheeky either <laughs> it's a small little guy it takes a little bit to get to get it just like a carbon monoxide chapter it takes a few moments it has to acquire that information same with the geiger counter um, because we're radioactive i use it on a clipboard if you drop it the tube will break it'll be no good and they're they are expensive but um, i use it alongside the emf detector just as a, a baseline just to see you know the difference um usually one or the other will work they both normally don't work at the same time that's the interesting thing so what i'm trying to do is find out on this on this emf scale where where are we able to show our connection so we, we don't have it here we don't have it here let's try this area you know like the difference between x-rays and ultrasound different types of imaging totally different types but all on the emf scale all the way to get pictures that's the kind of pictures I see in my head when I'm communicating. I'm able to decipher it. I'm able to understand it. Don't know how, but. I think it's interesting how, obviously you work with your husband. So how did you sort of approach the subject initially with him to tell him that like you had these abilities and was there any sort of trepidation with sharing that with someone? He'll tell you I stalked him online. That's <laughs> and that actually, it's true. I moved to Sacramento. I had uh, dealt with this Spokane situation with a serial killer. On the way down, I stopped by the Lava River Caves. I had another profound experience there where I have pictures, saw the whole story. And I'm going, I've got to use this to help people some way. I have knowledge here that I can't explain, but it's got to be helpful to somebody. It's got to do some good. Um, I was looking for a group in town that I could do some good with. And when I saw his picture, I went, huh. 35 at the time i'm thinking that's the guy i'm gonna marry wow. straight up and yeah that's the guy i ended up marrying <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <So> yes <laughs> with the uh native american heritage they're they are very open my understanding is they're very open to spiritual um activity my understanding is they don't see death as the end they see death as the journey uh that's what Correct. i was trying to get to um <laughs> and uh, how did he react when all this started happening with your daughter right from say three months gestation all these weird things happen in the house is he going oh here we go or is he going oh he was we expecting go. it okay. we both were expecting it yeah yeah Given, given my abilities and what he has on his side, we we both, we didn't know what to expect, but we expected something. Oh. <laughs> we didn't expect it at three months, though. Three months. <laughs> no, that's, that's, quite, uh, <laughs> that's quite early on. <laughs> I, I can't say I've ever even heard of that, but uh, darn if she didn't set that toy. I still have that toy. I've never been able to let go of it, but. No, it sounds like you should keep that toy, definitely. Oh, yeah. Have you come across any like, other children, like your daughter's age or younger, that have had these abilities many, as well? Many cases presented to me lately. Um, and I have a particular way of screening 
um, because I'm trying to rule out what activity is the child that's happening when they're sleeping at night. And is it something that the child is drawing in? Is it family there looking out for the child? Or is it somebody else? Is there an X factor in all this creating um, problems? So one of the first things I'll do, the child tends to be around two when the parents will reach out because they've dealt with this. And now as the child's getting moving around more and, and clearly looking at things, the dog's looking at the same thing and the mom's going, what am I missing here? Um, and then the kid comes out screaming, ah! and she's like, what, what am I missing? Um, so the parents reach out to me and what I'll do when I first, I'll be talking with a parent in my head though, I'll be asking the child, bring me your favorite color, favorite color, favorite toy. And then the parent will watch and then my husband's seen this go on too. They'll watch the kid that normally doesn't go to strangers. Normally they're very close to any strangers. That's a common thing. And they'll, they'll bring me these toys. Um, and then I'll ask them, you know, for something else, it depends on what their likes are. Uh, I really try to connect with them on their level, what their likes are, what they like to play with. And then the parent will usually at some point by the third or fourth round go, what's going on here? And I'll go, my next question is as well, when your little one's sleeping in the room, do you hear either with or without the batteries? Do you hear their favorite toys going off when they're sound asleep? Yeah, happens all the time. It's a not a paranormal phenomenon. It's called a psychokinetic um, energy or PK. And these kids are using this known measurable type of energy where I can demonstrate it with a paper clip and on a little piece of clay and I can spin it different directions, stop it, spin it faster without touching it. It's another focused part of, of PK energy and, and, and energy that we have. Some people call them fire starters. Well, in a weird off case scenario that you can get to that level, but usually it's the kid playing with their toys when they're asleep, um, anything, anytime they're stressed, um, it's different from males to females as far as it has to do with their, their landmark um, ages, the ages of certain developmental points in their life. Uh, but age two is across the board puberty is another big one for both kids and then the teenage years is just atrocious for these kids so when I identify one of these kids it's very common for me to always stay in contact with the family they come back going and there's such and such there's such and such going on what do we do now <laughs> so I help them navigate that problem with that landmark I hope that made sense but that's where I come in to specialize. So we, we've spoken on our podcast many times um, about increased paranormal activity when girls in particular hit puberty. That mm -hmm. tends to be quite a distinctive time in their life, just generally. I've got two daughters myself um, around that age and um, <laughs> dreading anything being thrown yeah. in the room that I'm sat in. <laughs> Um, do you find that that particular age that there's a heightened state of a paranormal, I say paranormal activity, but any kind of increased extreme activity around that time? And what kind of things, how does it ele escalate or elevate in activity? It's, two, it's twofold. Um, that's the double whammy of the parents and the family members that have passed that are still looking out for that little one. 
Um, once they're their garden, they're always there. And when they hit that puberty, especially for girls, there is a increased amount of activity around the house that is unexplained. Water faucets going on, cupboards opening or closing. But whether it's the child or the parent, the family that's there looking out, trying to say, hey, you know, this is going on, trying to get their attention. Um, because they're also learning about the world. They're learning about social media. They're getting into things they probably ought not be. And so that you've got that factor that happens around the same time of, of maturity or immaturity in some. Cool. So I just want to sort of bring it back to you talking about experiences of a demonic nature and your own escape experience being picked up. And so I wanted to ask, what is a demon to you? Never was human. Um, okay. they're, they're very rare. It's not like what TV shows at all. Um, some creatures are appear demonic, but are not. Like, uh, as I met a Tommy knocker, actually, several recently, um, they look very demonic. They look like a nasty gargoyle. And, but um, they, they were never human. They're just part of the earth. They, they're, they have their own purpose, whereas a demon is very different. Um, it's riddle, re really something that never was human. They are many. They are stronger than us, and they are meant to deal with by a properly trained Catholic uh, minister specializing in, in that. I mean, they have their own. That is the best tool to go against something like that. Um, in the case where I was lifted up and thrown, that was the first time where we needed to A, leave the investigation, and we told them, we aren't able to help you in this situation. Your only option, as you, since you're renting and not you don't own this place, would be to move. Because this one is extremely old, extremely high level. Um, I was thrown when I said its name. Uh, and I will never repeat the name again. Yes, I do know it. Um, what's interesting, it is not in many books, but it, it, it is very specific. I was here before California was California. It um, goes goes back far beyond the um, the ages. So, do you get people contacting your your group and your team and say, "There's this going on," and straight away you go, "This is this is something that needs to be dealt with by the Catholic Church or or something," because you can straight away say it's demonic. Um. There is one uh, case that was that situation, and it was pretty darn clear that that was the situation. But usually we'll sit down, we'll have that preliminary interview. Um, if there's ever a question, though, when I take those calls, I don't even take those calls in the house. I will go outside, um, not even in the yard, but I go to a different location. So because I do see this, them so clearly that I don't want that to be any part of of my life i mean that's i i leave them alone they leave me alone they know i can see them um the only time they will do that where i can see them is uh, if they they choose to have their their selves known so and usually they don't but they are tricky they are they are very we are nothing compared to those guys um so, so you you have people contact you. Do you ever get to a point where 
you you receive such a profound message or something like that and you you physically go and try and hunt down this person and say look this is i've been told this or are you this person because i have this message my husband's watching me yeah he stands six three um i'm five one and there was a six five big biker dude in a public re uh, restaurant hamburger joint and i sat down and he i got that he said he sees that look come across my face i go he needs to go to the doctor he's going to have a heart attack and he my husband goes what i said i have to go tell him he needs to go get a medical evaluation and i went up to him told him that that he needed to be checked out his heart needed to be checked out his wife turned around and pow, hit him in the chest as hard as she could i told you so <laughs> so <laughs> i mean she might as well knocked him on his butt um never total stranger don't know his name don't know what the outcome but obviously there was something of concern going on that they wanted him his heart specifically his heart checked out and he had not done that so I, I'm over that fear. I used to be afraid, but now no. So this six foot three, oh, six foot five, biker <laughs> dude has this five foot one woman turn up at his table, in a hamburger joint with his wife sat there, and starts talking about his heart. What, what does he, what, what does he even? How does he even react to that initially? He was speechless. <laughs> he was just like, I, she did all the talking. <laughs> and I said, that's all I need. I just needed to tell you that I had to give you that message. I'm sorry. And I went on my way. I wow. turned and walked away. They don't know my name. I don't know theirs. But I, I gave the message. There's another instance in town where a radio station was going to do a contest. Before the contest, I was in the, actually in the station. I told them, please don't have this drinking contest with water. Please don't do it. And they laughed at me. Again on the radio before at the beginning of the contest, I called in again. I said, please, I'm begging you, do not do this contest, contest with, with water. Switch to Gatorade. Use some other substance. Um, in the end, they held the contest. They made fun of me on the air. But in the end, a nurse participated in this contest and ended up dying because she drank too much water. Wow. Um, I did everything I could. That'll always stay with me. I don't care that they made fun of me, um, but at least I did everything in my power to try and, and make a difference. It's not always going to work, but at least I have the peace of mind to know that I did try. Wow. Wow. And everybody here in town knows the radio station and knows the instance that that happened, and they know my voice because they heard they made fun of me on the air. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry about that. No, it's it, it's part of life. If I have way thicker skin than that, you have to seeing the stuff I see, and even when I worked the ambulance and and fire department, um, you see that kind of stuff. The minute you think you've seen it all, you better get out. Because there's always something new coming around that corner. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what's next for you? What's and and for your daughter as well? Is she 
Is she, is she happy taking part in these investigations and things like this? Is that something that she wants She's to do? really mad when I won't let her come. Um, we've got a case coming up that's pretty intense, and I will, I will not let her attend. Um, there's another one actually coming up that I think will be too, too heavy. It's not that it's bad, but that it's, it has such old energy. She hasn't learned all the different backgrounds and all that. So I, I kind of like try to limit her so she's not overwhelmed. I don't want her to become so afraid of it that she shuts down either. Just enough so that she continues to learn and develop. And she is a healthy, young, happy little lady, but um, small doses, small doses. How do her friends react to this? Just out of interest. They know what daddy and I do. They they know we help people. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's our, it's always been our mission and our goal. Um, so many different people want money or they want to take advantage of people and we're there to give a service um, and help people, help strangers that don't know where else to go. We've had ministers, police officers, firemen ask for help. And that's what we do. Anybody can be in a situation where, who do I go to? My mug is moving across the counter and I don't want the, you know, this to happen and where somebody gets hurt. I, I don't understand this or the, this alarm is going off and I've taken off the batteries and it's still going off. Or the laundry is being moved from the block one, from the washing machine to the dryer we're like hey tell them to do to move the laundry on top of the dryer and fold it tell them to pay rent we try to use that that type of humor to help help them you know realize that this is something that does happen not to be afraid of it the more attention you give it though it's like a little kid if a kid is acting out and you keep you keep giving them that attention, what's a kid going to keep doing? So you got to teach them to ignore stuff, even when it happens like that. And knowing about three months, it's going to happen like really, really major. And that's going to be that's the test. Do you ignore it then? If you can ignore that instant, then you're and then and we wish I can help them work through that. Awesome. So where can our listeners find more information about you and your group? You can find us on benderparanormal.com. Cool. How about Facebook and social media? Are you? I have all those listed on the uh, website as well. Um, there's a gazillion different connections. I don't remember all those connections. No. <laughs> no, that's but cool. it's click and go. It'll, it'll take you there. I have little snippets all over the place. We've been doing it for a very long time. There's a lot of cases I've been resurrecting to put back, back on the site. Um, there's just been so many. And we've had a lot of current cases now with COVID and opening back up after that, that people have really been waiting. And so we're trying to help those active cases first before I jump into updating the website to the extent that it, that it needs to be. Well, thank you very much for your time joining us today. I know there's, there was a big, big time difference between us two. So I do appreciate you taking the time to, to come on and speak to us about this the kids in the paranormal anyway but just all the other bits that you've been involved in as well it's been fascinating to hear so thank you always happy to help and yeah you know, for parents out there don't be afraid 
don't just listen to your kids without judging them, please. It's going to build a relationship that's going to carry you through the years. So try and swallow that fear you're feeling and listen to them without judging. And it's going to make a big difference in all your lives. Great message. Awesome. Yeah. Cheers, Anne. Uh, thanks, Anne. Uh, we will speak soon. Very good. Cheerio. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.